It's curtain call of the musical Miss Saigon, and there's this incredible standing ovation. People around me are clapping breathlessly, some people are even crying, and I feel like this should be such a proud moment because it's so rare to see a stage full of actors who look like me getting a reception like this on Broadway. But I just can't get this song out of my head. From Haiphong to the Mekong Delta, may I present the most beautiful girls in Saigon, Mimi. See my bikini, it's just a right song. Hello and welcome to Code Switch. I'm Shireen Marisol Maraji. And I'm Kat Chow. And today we're talking about Miss Saigon, which is a pretty famous and controversial musical that's now back on Broadway. For decades, it's been a flashpoint for really heated debates over representation for two big reasons. The first, casting. When this show first started out, some of the actors were in yellow face. So you had these white actors dressing up as Asian characters. Makeup prosthetics, the whole nine, which is really outrageous. Yeah. And then the second big issue is that it perpetuates some of the ugliest stereotypes about Asians. But first, Kat, can you break down what Miss Saigon's about for those of us who haven't seen it? Okay, so there's kind of a weird story about how this musical even got started in the first place. It was based on Madame Butterfly, which is a short story that was turned into an opera in the early 1900s. And a lot of people say that this is the template for stereotypes of Asian women as docile or tragic. And so In the late 1980s, there were these two French producers who saw this photo of a Vietnamese woman in an airport, and she was giving up her half-American, half-Vietnamese daughter with the idea that the daughter would have a better life in the U.S. And so these French producers saw that photo, and they thought, oh my god, this could be a modern retelling of Madame Butterfly, but we could set it in Vietnam. So swap Madame for Miss and Butterfly for Saigon, and a... New musical, and I'm using Jean's air quotes here, is born. Yeah, and here's a very basic plot. A white American soldier in Vietnam, he meets a young prostitute named Kim. She's a virgin. They fall in love. She gets pregnant. He goes back to the U.S., and essentially, long story short, she ends up sacrificing herself so her kid can go live in the U.S. This plot is the worst. It's like a really bad telenovela. (laughs) And of course she has to be a virgin. It's just like the whole thing is completely problematic and over the top. And we're going to get to that. But before we even do that, there's this other big issue with the musical. Because when it first came out in London in 1989, there were very, very few Asians who were being cast in lead roles on stage. And that was true with this play. That was true with Broadway. That was true with the entertainment industry in general in the U.S. and Europe. Yeah. And so in this 1989 London production... Miss Saigon's producers, they cast this guy named Jonathan Price. He's a white man. And they cast him as a main character. And he played a Vietnamese-French engineer named Tran Van Din. So he had his eyes taped up. His skin was darkened. And it was this kind of very obvious-looking yellow face that we see in old films, for example. That's Esther Kim Lee, a professor at the University of Maryland, and she's one of the leading experts on Asian-American theater. It was a huge controversy. All major newspapers dealt with it, and it became a story that represented the culture war of the time. And Shireen, Lee told me that at the time, there were a lot of Asian-Americans who were like, oh my God, this is terrible. Of course. They're doing yellow face in London, but it would never happen in the U.S. You know, Kat, I have to admit, I'm really surprised by that reaction. Yeah. I'm not at all shocked that they'd make the same kind of mistake on the other side of the pond, meaning here. 
<laughs> well, a bunch of really famous Asian Americans in theater started protesting, and one of them was this playwright named David Henry Huang, who is a really big deal in the theater world. You know, to see the amount of kind of vitriol that this incident inspired was pretty powerful and, you know, honestly, a, a little scary. Scary because a lot of that vitriol was pointed at him. So here's a side note about David Henry Huang. He's created a lot of work, especially centered on Asian Americans. And his most famous play was M. Butterfly from 1988. And it's this twist on the opera Madame Butterfly, which we mentioned before. And Huang's play M. Butterfly is a statement on how Asians are treated as exotic. And he even won a Tony Award for it. Huang would eventually go on to make a play about the whole Miss Saigon yellow face debacle called Face Value. But before any of that happened, he argued to one of the actors' unions that Jonathan Price, the actor in Yellowface, should not be allowed to be in the U.S. production. So Miss Saigon's producers canceled the show. Awesome. Problem solved. But not exactly. Most of the, I would say, New York cultural intelligentsia came out against the Asian actors and and myself and and sort of saw our position as an example of kind of political correctness gone awry. That so-called cultural intelligentsia denounced the union for its decision to keep Price from doing the part. They said the producer Cameron McIntosh shouldn't have to cancel it. They said any actor should be able to play the role. Mm. And in fact, people were calling the decision to keep Price from playing it racist. Priceless. And Shireen... The casting director was blaming the yellow face on lack of talent. Here's Professor Esther Kim Lee again. One of the things that made Asian-American actors very angry in the 1990s was that the producers and the casting directors of the musical said that they looked everywhere and they could not find qualified Asian-American actors. Cat. I've actually stopped counting the number of times I've heard this argument over my life because there have been so many times... <laughs> Check this out. So Miss Saigon's casting director even printed something in the New York Times in 1990 saying, the bottom line is I can say with greatest assurance that if there were an Asian actor of 45 to 50 years with classical stage background, we would surely have sniffed him out by now. Surely. Yeah. It wasn't true. Miss Saigon's casting people never did an open call search for the role. And now people say that Jonathan Price was actually asked to play the role because he was so famous and he was this brilliant actor. They just didn't care that he was white. Surprise! And so Esther Kimley, she says it's this unending cycle. It is this kind of catch-22 where you don't get the role because you don't have the enough experience and you don't get enough experience because you don't get the role. I mean, that kind of vicious cycle has continued on. So in the late 80s, some of the only opportunities Asian American actors have are to be cast in these ensemble parts, just in the background, mm-hmm. uh, mostly dancing and singing chorus. And that's how this actor, John John Briones, got his first job in theater. And so today, Briones actually plays the lead character, the engineer, in the new production on Broadway. But in 1988, Briones was living in the Philippines where he grew up and studying to be an actual engineer. I had 18 units left and my dad, my mom were really excited because I came from a poor family and I was the first one to actually graduate with a, an income earning possibility. So how did he go from engineering to the theater? Well, his friend came to him with this opportunity and said, hey, you want to earn a few bucks? There's this Broadway producer who's looking for help on uh, a production. And Brion has actually wound up auditioning and he got a small part in the ensemble. And so 
all of this was great for him, but it meant that he'd have to break the news to his parents that he was quitting school、mm-hmm. and that he'd be leaving the Philippines to be in Miss Saigon. I remember my dad was was lying down in bed when I told him that, and he didn't answer. And I just walked out of the the, the room, and、um, I think I broke his heart. But you know,、um, I was twenty two. I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and he wanted to leave the Philippines to launch his acting career, which you can imagine wasn't easy. He was in this new country, doing this new thing, speaking a new language, and he told me he remembers going out with the cast for drinks one night. There's a conversation going on, and I cannot keep up. And you know, I would have to formulate my answer to something that I understood. And by the time I have the sentence, the conversation moved on already. And I'm like, you know, so. It it was hard. It was so hard. Every time I come home, my my tongue would be, you know, just stiff, and my jaw, my my head hurts. Ugh, that's so exhausting. He's not only trying to learn his part; he's trying to figure out a different country, a culture, a language. It really is exhausting. And David Henry Huang, the playwright, he said that for so many Asian American actors, Miss Saigon was a huge starting point for their careers. When I've been doing musicals, particularly those with Asian content like Flower Drum Song,、um, just about everybody that you audition. Has done Miss Saigon because it created an opportunity for people to really to have experience on a Broadway stage、um, and be able to play those large houses. And Shreen, the reason for this is because Miss Saigon transformed the theater world. The outrage over this particular use of yellowface it pretty much eradicated the practice from mainstream theater, and that's according to Professor Esther Kimley. Now we would not see such blatant use of yellowface. I think that's something that is different from the 1990s. So that kind of practice has gone away. I had no idea, and I'm also really relieved that something positive came out of all this. This is essentially why John John Briones can perform in the lead role today—a part that he actually got to play for his father years after he left home in the Philippines. In、uh, 2000, I was able to go back to the Philippines when Cameron decided to bring Miss Saigon to the Philippines, and he was able to see the show. And he said that he was very proud of me. That was the the extent of our conversation. Basically, him telling me, "You did the right thing." He said, "You were very good." I'm sure that was amazing to see his son playing a lead role on stage. You know, maybe his dad figured that would never happen, and that's why he really didn't want him to go into this career. I don't know. Yeah, because it's a really tough one. But still, I mean, Miss Saigon gave him that, and it also gave Brianna's. A lot of other opportunities that he never would have had. Miss Saigon, <laughs> for me, it, it's it's open doors for me. It's、uh, um, it brought me to Broadway. I thought I would will never get to Broadway because I'm getting up there in age. And but it, I'm here now, and I'm doing this. I met my wife in Germany doing this role.、Um, our both our kids were born in England. You know, because of this show. So we've got increased representation here. Briones、mm-hmm. gets to see his dad and gets a little bit of closure. Yeah,、uh, he gets to be on Broadway. Cat, I feel like you're making a case that Miss Saigon is a force for good. <laughs> well, I mean, there are always those lyrics again. How about something fresh from the country, untouched, legs unparted, parts uncharted, Kim? I'm seventeen. Ugh. 
After the break, we hear about the downside of having a cast of Asian actors in a musical with a song like that. Support for Code Switch and the following message come from Squarespace. Get a unique domain and create a beautiful website using Squarespace's all-in-one platform and award-winning templates. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Visit squarespace.com to start your free trial and use offer code CODESWITCH for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Thanks for listening to Code Switch. Have you heard up first the morning news podcast from NPR? Give us 10 minutes or so and you get a sense of the stories and big ideas of the day. It's the news you need to get through this day. Wake up with Up First tomorrow morning by 6 a.m. Eastern time on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back and joining me today is Code Switch's Kat Chow and we're talking about Asian representation in theater or lack thereof. Kat, you just explained how the musical Miss Saigon transformed Broadway into a more inclusive place for Asian American actors. But there's more to the story. Oh, for sure, Shireen. So before we talked a little bit about some of the stereotypes in the musical. So we had the Asian woman as a martyr. There was the virgin horror trope. But there's more. There's the white guy sweeping an Asian woman off her feet, the Asian man as morally bankrupt, and Maryland professor Esther Kimley. She says the problem with Miss Saigon only started with the yellow face. There are a few people who were saying, hey, you know, there's more controversy about the content of the musical. Why aren't we talking about that? So it became an afterthought to many people. And they all thought, oh, my God, we should have protested the content of the musical. And Kat, you went to see the show on Broadway. Has the content changed? Shireen, so for this answer, I'm going to tap in uh, a journalist with the American Theater Magazine. Her name is Deep Tran. We are just sitting there and watching this and we're just thinking, oh, this is not fun anymore. So Tran, she tells me that she feels like her life story kind of mirrors Miss Saigon's. And when she went to see it, she brought her two Vietnamese friends and they are just sitting in the audience. They are mostly surrounded by white people. You know, if you meet people, Vietnamese women like my mother, they don't stay silent when men tell them what to do. They speak up. And so it just watching it just brought to mind like all of these stereotypes that I've seen proliferated in American popular culture. And now that's being done again, you just think, how far have we really gone? And the popularity is part of the problem. And it gets louder and more popular by the year. So before its revival, Six million people actually saw Miss Saigon. And today, every single night, there are more than a thousand people packing the theater to see it. Mm -hmm. And Esther, she told me it has huge people backing it. It's the same people who are behind Les Miserables, which is probably why it's such a big cultural phenomenon. And I did reach out to the producers of the show, but they weren't available for an interview. Now, obviously, there is something about Miss Saigon that resonates with audiences. I have never seen the show, and I know all the words to one of the songs. It's a long story (laughs) for a different podcast, but it's true. It was everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it does have this huge cultural impact. Like, I knew about it when I was a kid just because it was so famous, and these schools and community theaters would be putting it on. But this is exactly why representation can be such a double-edged sword. Now, in 2017, it's on Broadway. You have these Asian actors who are helping perpetuate these stereotypes about themselves and to massive audiences. And massive 
mostly white audiences, right? right. Because that's who goes <laughs> to theaters. How do the actors feel about that? Well, so I asked John John Briones what he makes of all this talk about Miss Saigon being filled with these stereotypes. And he told me, well, first of all, the depictions aren't all negative. Hmm? And when the character Kim sacrifices her life for her son, that actually makes her a strong character. It's about people put into a situation and how they react to that and how they want to claw and get out of that situation, how to get their objectives. It's all about that. And in my opinion, no one is bad in this situation. People are trying very hard to do the right thing. Isn't that also what a lot of the actors in this musical seem like they're trying to do too? Like they're trying to make a living, but they're also trying to play these characters in the best way they can, make them as nuanced as they can. Exactly. And here's the thing. Roles with these old stereotypes are some of the only ones that Asian actors can get these days. And I mean, there's some improvement, of course, but there's not that much. And at some point, you just got to pay the bills. Right. Shireen, I kind of assumed that Briones would be able to score other huge parts because he had this big role with Miss Saigon. And he told me, yeah, he does get called for auditions that are, in his eyes, decent, but there are some other ones, too. There are also roles that are asking for an accent, like, um, you know, a Thai restaurant owner or a Thai um, a drug lord things like that but yeah you know do you take the do you audition for them of course of course those are the only available things you know the only thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that last week we talked about this renaissance in television where there were a bunch of you know brown shows being produced by brown people but um listening to Briona say that it just is like oh, are we still talking about this in 2017 it's kind of like drives me bananas right and remember John John Briones is the lead of Miss Saigon for right. other cast members who don't even have his resume. I, I mean, I can only imagine that there are even fewer options. You know, when people say, you know, oh, you've done Miss Saigon all over. That's, you know, that's all you've done. It's like, uh, yeah, that's the only, you know, I love this role. But at the same time, this is, thank God for this, I'm working. That's the only thing out there. But thank God I'm doing The Engineer because it's one of the best roles ever. So literally everyone I talked to, Shireen, they said mm -hmm. something that's really, really familiar to us at Code Switch, as, I mean, you kind of alluded to. And it's that to fix this problem, Asian Americans just need to start writing and creating their own stories. And some are, of course. And mm -hmm. I mean, that means that more Asian Americans need to go see those stories being told. And maybe then we wouldn't have so much rep sweats. And also, we'd start to see more options for actors like John John Briones. I'm, I'm still waiting for, you know, that day when you get cast as just part of a community and not as a, a different person, not a foreign person to be feared and representing danger. Hmm. Well... I think we're going to leave it there. Kat, hopefully you brought some <laughs> songs, many songs that are giving you life after all that. No, I'm, I I need something a little uplifting. Please tell me you have an uplifting oh, song for us. Shireen, I'm so sorry, but <laughs> the song this week, it's not uplifting, but I think it's really fitting. 
So this week I have for you Mitski's song, Your Best American Girl. Have you heard it before? I haven't. Okay, so Mitski was born in Japan. She has a Japanese mom, a white dad. Mm -hmm. And she's talked before about how this song to her is about her not being seen as American, even though she is. And it's about this Asian-American girl who feels like she's got to assimilate to sacrifice herself so that this white American boy can love her. Great. Let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It is fitting, though. Yeah, it's it's not uplifting. I mean, it's catchy. It's been in my head all week, so. If I could, I'd be your little spoon and kiss your fingers forevermore. But big spoon, you have so much to do and I have Isn't it kind of like a lullaby? Oh, I love her voice. It's so haunting. You've been listening to the Code Switch podcast. I'm Shereen Marisol Meraji. And I'm Kat Chow. Our producers are Sammy Yenigan, Maria Paz Gutierrez, and Walter Ray Watson. And a shout out to our colleagues, Jean Demby, Adrian Florido, Leah Danella, Karen Grigsby-Bates. Our editor is Juleka Lantigua-Williams. You should definitely subscribe to our podcast wherever podcasts can be found. And we want to hear from you. So email us. We're at codeswitch at npr.org. On Twitter, we're at, at NPR Codeswitch. And we're back next week. Peace. Later. Hi, this is Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. This month marks Fresh Air's 30th anniversary as a daily NPR interview program. That means our show is older than two of the people who work on it. So how are we celebrating? By doing more shows. You can find our podcast on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.